Section 53 of The Rainbow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rainbow by D. H. Lawrence. Chapter 16, Part 2. She lay still a long time, with her back against the thorn-tree trunk, in her final isolation. Some colliers passed, tramping heavily up the wet road, their voices sounding out, their shoulders up to their ears, their figures blotched and spectral in the rain. Some did not see her. She opened her eyes languidly as they passed by. Then one man going alone saw her. The whites of his eyes showed in his black face as he looked in wonderment at her. He hesitated in his walk, as if to speak to her, out of frightened concern for her. How she dreaded his speaking to her, dreaded his questioning her. She slipped from her seat and went vaguely along the path. Vaguely. It was a long way home. She had an idea that she must walk for the rest of her life. Wearily, wearily, step after step, step after step, and always along the wet, rainy road between the hedges. Step after step, step after step, the monotony produced a deep, cold sense of nausea in her. How profound was her cold nausea! How profound! That, too, plumbed the bottom. She seemed destined to find the bottom of all things today, the bottom of all things. Well, at any rate, she was walking along the bottommost bed. She was quite safe, quite safe, if she had to go on and on forever, seeing this was the very bottom, and there was nothing deeper. There was nothing deeper, you see, so one could not but feel certain, passive. She arrived at home at last, the climb up the hill to Beldover had been very trying. Why must one climb the hill? Why must one climb? Why not stay below? Why force one's way up the slope? Why force one's way up and up when one is at the bottom? Oh, it was very trying, very wearying, very burdensome. Always burdens, always, always burdens. Still, she must get to the top and go home to bed. She must go to bed. She got in and went upstairs in the dusk without its being noticed she was in such a sodden condition. She was too tired to go downstairs again. She got into bed and lay shuddering with cold, yet too apathetic to get up or call for relief. Then, gradually, she became more ill. She was very ill for a fortnight, delirious, shaken and racked, but always, amid the ache of delirium, she had a dull firmness of being, a sense of permanency. She was in some way like the stone at the bottom of the river, inviolable and unalterable, no matter what storm raged in her body. Her soul lay still and permanent, full of pain, but itself forever. Under all her illness persisted a deep, inalterable knowledge. She knew, and she cared no more. Throughout her illness, distorted into vague forms, persisted the question of herself and Skibrinsky like a gnawing ache that was still superficial and did not touch her isolated impregnable core of reality but the corrosion of him burned in her till it burned itself out must she belong to him must she adhere to him something compelled her and yet it was not real always the ache the ache of unreality of her belonging to skibrinsky what bound her to him when she was not bound to him why did the falsity persist why did the falsity gnaw, gnaw, gnaw at her? Why could she not wake up to clarity, 
to reality if she could but wake up if she could but wake up the falsity of the dream of her connection with skibrinsky would be gone but the sleep the delirium pinned her down even when she was calm and sober she was in its spell yet she never was in its spell what extraneous thing bound him to her there was some bond put upon her why could she not break it through what was it what was it in her delirium she beat and beat at the question and at last her weariness gave her the answer it was the child the child bound her to him the child was like a bond round her brain tightened on her brain it bound her to skabrinsky but why why did it bind her to skabrinsky could she not have a child of herself was not the child her own affair all her own affair what had it to do with him why must she be bound aching and cramped with a bondage to skabrinsky and skabrinsky's world anton's world it became in her feverish brain a compression which enclosed her if she could not get out of the compression she would go mad the compression was anton and anton's world not the anton she possessed but the anton she did not possess that which was owned by some other influence by the world she fought and fought and fought all through her illness to be free of him and his world to put it aside to put it aside into its place yet ever anew it gained ascendancy over her it laid new hold on her oh the unutterable weariness of her flesh which she could not cast off nor yet extricate if she could but extricate herself if she could but disengage herself from feeling from her body from all the vast encumbrances of the world that was in contact with her from her father and her mother and her lover and all her acquaintance repeatedly in an ache of utter weariness she repeated i have no father nor mother nor lover i have no allocated place in the world of things i do not belong to beldover nor to nottingham nor to england nor to this world they none of them exist i am trammelled and entangled in them but they are all unreal i must break out of it like a nut from its shell which is an unreality and again to her feverish brain came the vivid reality of acorns in february lying on the floor of a wood where their shells burst and discarded but the colonel issued naked to put itself forth she was the naked clear colonel thrusting forth the clear powerful shoot and the world was a bygone winter discarded her mother and father and anton and college and all her friends all cast off like a year that has gone by whilst the colonel was free and naked and striving to take new root to create a new knowledge of eternity in the flux of time and the colonel was the only reality the rest was cast off into oblivion this grew and grew upon her when she opened her eyes in the afternoon and saw the window of her room in the faint smoky landscape beyond this was all husk and shell lying by all husk and shell she could see nothing else she was enclosed still but loosely enclosed there was a space between her and the shell it was burst there was a rift in it soon she would have her root fixed in a new day her nakedness would take itself the bed of a new sky and a new air this old decaying fibrous husk would be gone gradually she began really to sleep she slept in the confidence of her new reality she slept breathing with her soul the new air of a new world the peace was very deep and enriching she had her root in new ground she was gradually absorbed 
when she woke at last it seemed as if a new day had come on the earth how long how long had she fought through the dust and obscurity for this new dream for this new dawn how frail and fine and clear she felt like the most fragile flower that opens in the end of winter but the pole of night was turned and the dawn was coming in very far off was her old experience skabrinsky her parting with him very far off some things were real those first glamorous weeks before these seemed like hallucination now they seemed like common reality the rest was unreal she knew that skabrinsky had never become finally real in the weeks of passionate ecstasy he had been with her in her desire she had created him for the time being but in the end he had failed and broken down strange what a void separated him and her she liked him now as she liked a memory some bygone self he was something of the past finite he was that which is known she felt a poignant affection for him as that which is past but when she looked with her face forward he was not nay when she looked ahead into the undiscovered land before her what was there she could not recognize but a fresh glow of light and inscrutable trees growing up from the earth like smoke it was the unknown the unexplored the undiscovered upon whose shore she had landed alone after crossing the void the darkness which washed the new world and the old there would be no child she was glad if there had been a child it would have made little difference however she would have kept the child in herself she would not have gone to skabrinsky anton belonged to the past there came the cablegram from skabrinsky i am married an old pain and anger and contempt stirred in her did he belong so utterly to the cast-off past she repudiated him he was as he was it was good that he was as he was who was she to have a man according to her own desire it was not for her to create but to recognize a man created by god the man should come from the infinite and she would hail him she was glad she could not create her man she was glad she had nothing to do with his creation she was glad that this lay within the scope of that vaster power on which she rested at last the eternal would come out of eternity to which she herself belonged as she grew better she sat to watch a new creation as she sat at her window she saw the people go by in the street below colliers women children walking each in the husk of an old fruition but visible through the husk the swelling and the heaving contour of the new germination in the still silenced form of the colliers she saw a sort of suspense awaiting in pain for the new liberation she saw it the same in the false heart confidence of the women the confidence of the women was brittle it would break quickly to reveal the strength and patient effort of the new germination in everything she saw she grasped and groped to find the creation of the living god instead of the old hard barren form of bygone living sometimes great terror possessed her sometimes she lost she lost her feeling she could only know the old horror of the husk which bound in her and all mankind they were all in prison they were all going mad she saw the stiffened bodies of the colliers, which seemed already enclosed in a coffin. She saw their unchanging eyes, the eyes of those who are buried alive. She saw the hard cutting edges of the new houses, which seemed to spread over the hillside in their insentient triumph, 
the triumph of horrible amorphous angles and straight lines the expression of corruption triumphant and unopposed corruption so pure that it is hard and brittle she saw the dun atmosphere over the blackened hills opposite the dark blotches of houses slate-roofed and amorphous the old church tower standing up in hideous obsoleteness above raw new houses on the crest of the hill the amorphous brittle hard-edged new houses advancing from beldover to meet the corrupt new houses from leithley the houses of leithley advancing to mix with the houses of haynor a dry brittle terrible corruption spreading over the face of the land and she was sick with a nausea so deep that she perished as she sat and then in the blowing cloud she saw a band of faint iridescence colouring in faint colours a portion of the hill and forgetting startled she looked for the hovering colour and saw a rainbow forming itself in one place it gleamed fiercely and her heart anguished with hope she sought the shadow of iris where the bow should be steadily the colour gathered mysteriously from nowhere it took presence upon itself there was a faint vast rainbow the arc bended and strengthened itself till it arched indomitable making great architecture of light and colour and the space of heaven its pedestals luminous in the corruption of new houses on the low hill its arch the top of heaven and the rainbow stood on the earth she knew that the sordid people who crept hard scale and separate on the face of the world's corruption were living still that the rainbow was arched in their blood and would quiver to life in their spirit that they would cast off their horny covering of disintegration that new clean naked bodies would issue to a new germination to a new growth rising to the light and the wind and the clean rain of heaven she saw in the rainbow the earth's new architecture the old brittle corruption of houses and factories swept away the world built up in a living fabric of truth fitting to the overarching heaven the end end of section fifty three End of the Rainbow by D. H. Lawrence